Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are creating the new norm by sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have followed their dreams and made them a reality. This podcast will inspire you with the stories of real business owners and give you actionable advice to start building whatever this means for you. I'm your host, Emily Aborn. Welcome back. Emily Aborn. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm good. Have you ever seen the show Yummy Mummies on Netflix? (laughs) No, I can't. The the name sounds too weird for me. I'm sorry. I can't believe you haven't seen it. You definitely need to watch it. It's like the best show that I've ever seen. Okay, so it's four Australian pregnant and then eventually not pregnant moms. That's how that goes, yes. Exactly. So they are just like living the life and... I highly recommend you get onto Netflix and watch both seasons. Binge them now. They're okay. so great. <laughs> Yummy, um, <mommy. laughs> I actually started watching another Netflix show this weekend. It's a British show called Secret Shopper with Mary Portis. So what she does is she spies on other businesses and then reveals herself and tells them everything that they're sucking at and doing wrong and need to do better in their businesses. My wife was a secret shopper. No way. Yeah, you can get, there are people that do that. You go into a, like you get paid to go into a store and like buy stuff and see how the service is. And, and then the complain lay- about it. Well, I would not love necessi- that job. Yeah, it was crazy. I used to drive her around and she used to like go into places and it was weird. I wonder weird if job. the people take the advice of what the secret shoppers say, or if they're like an old dog and you just can't teach them new tricks. I don't know. Hmm. That I don't know. That would be interesting. Yeah. Sometimes the people on this Mary Porter show take her advice and sometimes they don't care. Not so much and yeah. their businesses fail. So today we are here with Jessica Terzakis of Terzakis and Associates, and I can't wait for her to share how she is sort of the local version of Mary Portis, only she's a not so secret shopper and openly helps business owners. She recently spoke on our She Built This panel in August at LaBelle Winery, and I've brought her back and had her on the podcast because people were so enamored with her that they could have heard her go on and on and on and on and on. I know I could have. I could have sat there for two hours listening to her. And the other reason I had her back is because she has also seen Yummy Mummies, and I needed someone to talk to about it. (laughs) Because clearly you haven't. No, I'm going to go and watch it this afternoon, though. Is that... Sounds good. Yeah. It's a good Monday afternoon activity, even though it's Wednesday when this podcast comes out. <laughs> so Jessica is the co-owner of Terzakis & Associates, which is a business advising firm in Bedford. And prior to that, she was a high school English teacher, and she says she could motivate even the most reluctant students. She was looking for a way to continue her love for teaching, but she also wanted to make more money. So she became an entrepreneur. It would be interesting to know if that actually did end up making more money. (laughs) And if she did, she's doing something right. Um, She joined her family business, Terzakis & Associates, and now she works in helping overwhelmed and frustrated entrepreneurs monetize their brilliance. She also shows them to add additional streams of revenue to their businesses by using group programs and online courses, which is a really big thing right now. Jessica is a dog mom to a German shepherd named Sasha. She loves roller coasters and she hates vinegar, which also includes pickles. And I cannot even understand how that could be possible. I'm a pickle freak. You like them. I love them. It's like a love. You either love them or you hate them, you know, but I love salt, pickles. Yeah. Mm. All right. Enough of that. Let's welcome Jessica. 
Hey, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us, Jessica. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm excited. You were great at the event the other night. Speaking of that, Emily, fantastic job yes. on that oh, event. Oh, thank you. I forgot to mention that. So much that. fun. Yes. You know, I have to say, I, I've said this to both you and, and Kristen, your, your co-she-built-this um, person, and there's something to be said about when you say you're going to put on an event and how you just put it out there, because I think a lot of people say they want to do events, then they make a post about it, and then that's it. It's super it's, hard, it's though. It's super hard. Yeah. So we'll get... We'll get back to yummy mummies in a minute because, you know, I'm dying to talk about yeah. that. But um, I will say that a couple months ago, I decided I was going to do this event and not that not the she built this event, a completely different one. And I put it out there. And I think after one month of me really hitting it with marketing, I had two people signed up. It is so interesting how like you talked about the other night, you have to take those experiences and say, what I'm offering is not something that people want. So I think with the She Built This, it's not about me putting on an event. It's about bringing people together for something that we all want and need. Yeah, I definitely think it's a combo. But I think, yeah, my hats go off to the two of you because it is not easy to conceptualize, figure out if people want it and then fill it and then hold the energy. So you guys did a great job. Well, thank you. Thanks for being a part of it. The sound was phenomenal. The sound was amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. Mike was our sound guy in case anyone didn't pick up on that. (laughs) Um, All right. So Jessica, let's start off with a very important question. Who is your favorite yummy mummy? Uh, you know, I really like, okay, so I think I'm more of a Jane. So Jane is like, she's, she's a little shy. She, you know, I think, I think my personality is a lot like her, but I love Rachel because she's so over the top and so loud and just, I don't think she doesn't let things like bother her. And so I would say she's probably my favorite, but I mostly align with, with Jane. I agree with you. I love Jane, but I think maybe I'm more of a Rachel. You're definitely Rachel. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Which, well, Michael figured out. Sasha? When he, you, he'll figure it out Is when he binge Sasha? watches. No, that's her dog. <laughs> no, that's my dog. <laughs> I like her. <laughs> All right. So I know that we asked you this question in front of everyone on Thursday, but I do want you to share it on here because I think it's a really important one. So many times as small business owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals, we tell ourselves all of these excuses. We have fears and lies about why we shouldn't be doing what we're doing or dreaming what we're dreaming about. And I know I personally am guilty of this also. So I would love for you to tell us all of the excuses that you could have given into and as to why you shouldn't be where you are now. You know, I think the answer for that came relatively easily because I think my excuse is I'm too young. I was a teacher. You know, when you look at, I think when people view success, they associate success with age and they trust age because you have experience and wisdom. And so the first thing that people usually comment on is my age and how young I look. And so I think that that question was very easy for me to answer. Like, I'm too young. Like, what could I possibly have to offer? And that, I think, has held me back a lot in the beginning. And I think it was just understanding that, you know, people are going to think what they want to think about my age. And I think I can show them I can bring value to them. And just by working with clients, I got over it. You kind of do look like you're 17 or something. I used to get stopped in the hallway, like, all the time as a teacher. Especially (laughs) as a student? Yeah. uh, They would ask for my hall pass. Uh, That's a good thing. 
You'll appreciate that. I'll appreciate that later. But but here's here's something even more funny as as a quick aside. So I went to the cafeteria one day to, and this was I was teaching there for four years at this point. Like people knew who I was, and I was getting a bag of chips in the line, and the and the woman in the cafeteria said, "I'm sorry, like you." you can't, you can't buy this. And I said, what do you mean? She said, in school suspension, students can't buy lunch. Like she thought I was suspended. Like in, I was like, first oh, of all, look word. at me. Do I look like I would ever be suspended? <laughs> but yeah, most people, yes. yeah, do I? <laughs> you might have a dark streak. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. But yeah, a compliment. even now people are like, oh, did you just graduate college? No, I'm in my thirties. Yeah, I um, also come up against that a lot. So how do you, so you said you sort of just kind of show them like rather than correct them. I think I used to defend myself a lot. Like, no, I'm really this old, you know, or, but that that doesn't even matter because when you say you're 30 or 31 or 33, people are like, oh, but you are still so young. Right. So, I guess I, I don't know if I ever corrected them. I think it was a little bit of uh, certainly dressing a certain way, Um and then just the way I answered their questions. I, I definitely did a lot of homework up front. Like if I knew I was talking with someone, I would do my due diligence and kind of see like, who is this person? What is their experience? What is their business all about? And um, I definitely think it's how you carry yourself and how you respond to questions that I think corrects people without you having to kind of explicitly talk about it. All right. So tell us a little bit about your past life as a teacher and why you made the leap into entrepreneurship and then kind of what that felt like. Sure. I So I taught high school English for about six years. And, you know, a lot of people would say to me, like, oh my gosh, how, how could you possibly do that? I actually loved the kids. They were not, you know, really that bad. I think it was, you know, in the education world, if you're someone that's ambitious, you really have two paths that you can take. Um, one, you know, you could become a department chair in your department, depending on the level, uh, or you could go the path of, of administrator and become a principal in some capacity. And I did not want to be a principal. And, you know, I just looked at what was available to me and it really was clear that I was ambitious. I wanted to certainly make more money and it wasn't going to happen in that, you know, profession. So I made the daring leap one year and I did not sign my contract to go back to school. And I left. It was the first time in my life that I really didn't actually have a plan. I just knew that I reached that point where I was like, I can't keep doing this. And I think that's what a lot of people who are in some sort of career, corporate, education, whatever, um, you have to reach kind of that point where it's like, I'm either going to leave or I'm going to stay. For me, it had to be one or the other. It had to be all or nothing. It has to hurt so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it had to be like, I am leaving this. I'm not going to try and teach and start a business at the same time. It just, that's just how I am. And so uh, it was terrifying, actually, because I talked about this on on the panel. I was so familiar with what it meant to be an employee. I was really good at following directions, being a, a good team player. Um, someone was really great at telling me what to do, and I could execute it. And then all of a sudden, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Like, I kind of had this vision in my mind, but... Um, now I didn't have the seven to two schedule. I wasn't on the school rhythm of September to June. What do I do with myself? So I think it was it was terrifying because all of a sudden the structures that I was so familiar with were gone. And now you don't have to shower until like five o'clock at night if you yeah. don't want to. Theor- theoretically, it was like that freedom that I had wanted, right? You know, when the pain gets so bad in a certain career and you're like, I just want anything but this. Um, I got to that point and then I was like, 
what do I do with all of this freedom? Here's a great question. So what do you think, if I do say so myself, so what do you think it does mean to be an entrepreneur? Like now, now that you're in that place, how would you answer that question? That is actually a very good question. See, I told you. Yeah. You know, I think without sounding like kind of stereotypical, like it is about kind of choosing what you want. And I think a lot of people aren't used to kind of figuring out what they want. They're kind of told what they what they want and told what they need to do. And I think as an entrepreneur, you can figure out like what kind of business do you want? And then you you figure that out and you you structure your life to to make that possible. Like that really is what it what it means. It's just the I think it's the in-betweens that are really fuzzy for people. Like yeah. what do I do when I wake up? Like yeah. do I do I start my day at nine o'clock? Like, I think as long as you know the end goal of what you really want and you've figured that out and it's very clear, like income, lifestyle, all of those components, then the rest of it, like you get to do. And I think that's what's so scary for people is because they haven't really well, actually... Especially coming coming out of teaching, which is so structured. Oh, yeah. I taught high school for four years. I taught audio engineering and it's just like, you know, like clockwork every day. Yes. You know, the same thing. Yes. You know? Yeah, I think being an entrepreneur is instead of taking someone else's creation and right. putting yourself into that, you now get to be the creator, whether that's the creator to solutions mm -hmm. of problems or the creator of your life. Um, mm -hmm. That's what it, yeah. Really at its core, yep. Um, what do you think has been the toughest challenge for you and how did you overcome it? Well, I think, you know, Joining my joining my family's business was actually probably the easiest decision I made because they already had the business established. So they were doing like business consulting and helping, you know, small businesses, you know, bring on more clients, make more money, all of those core business essentials. But I didn't have a business background. I had a teaching background. So the hardest thing was figuring out what do I bring to the market and what does the market want from me? And so it was testing out. And I think that was the biggest hurdle was figuring out what's in alignment with my skill set, what can I truly do that helps entrepreneurs, but what is it that they want? And I think that there were a lot of times where initially, when I look back, I look back actually in my Google Drive, Emily, at my first description of my service. And now this is two years down the road, I look at it, and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? Because I just had to create something and talk with people. And I think that was the hardest thing was getting feedback from people being willing to let go of that initial vision that I wrote down on that Google Doc and just test what the offer was and play with it until I felt good with it, until the market was resonating with it as well. I heard something recently that you, you know, it's, sorry, it's very important to find your niche. Um, but sometimes in order to do that, we have to start by being really expansive and trying a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we hone in on the right thing. So tell me more about what your niche is. What do you bring to the market? What do you, how do you help entrepreneurs? Sure. So I was noticing that a lot of service-based entrepreneurs, when I say service-based, it could be someone that's, uh, you know, like a life coach or a nutritionist or, you know, someone that helps, um, with, um, like overcoming obstacles in your life, like those kind of intangible qualities, those individuals to grow their business needed to get out of the one-to-one the -one client work, right? Because there's only so many hours in a day, so many you know clients that you could possibly take on. And they were realizing very quickly that they had worked themselves into a job, right? They went into entrepreneurship, but now they're stuck working, you know, 
beholden to these clients. So what I was noticing was that they needed to break out of the one-to-one and start working with groups, right? So initially I went to like, you guys need to build online courses. Like that's the buzzword, right? Everyone wants an online course to grow, grow your business. So I went that route. But what I was noticing, Emily, was a lot of entrepreneurs did not have the um, technology awareness, right? They didn't know how to handle all the technology. They didn't have the budget to actually put an online course out there that would actually make a really big payday. Like I was talking with someone last month, she's in Colorado. She signed up to build this online course. She said to me, you know, Jessica, with all the time that I put into this, all the effort that I put into this, I just want to make a thousand dollars to break even. Right. So people see like in the service industry, they're seeing these ads on Facebook. They're seeing these ads saying, go build an online course and you can make, you know, seven figure payday. What they're not saying to you is all the behind the scenes that has to go into it. It's a so, lot of work. Oh, it's I, I do it. I do an audio course, and it's just the the production. And I know I know what I'm doing production wise, and it's just so much work. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think mega that hours. Hours. Um. You know, technology like webinars, launches, yeah. funnels. You know, all those things that running screen flow. Screen. You know, yes. Exactly. Things like that. Do you, you know? feel like it's oversaturated a bit too? Is that part of it? Yes. I also think a lot of entrepreneurs step into it way too early. Like a pat, an online course is a great tool to, to add into your business when you're a bit more advanced in your, in your business stage. So what I noticed was like, I'm a teacher. I'm used to dealing with like not enough pencils, hardly any paper. So how can I help entrepreneurs that don't have the biggest budget, don't have all access to these resources? How can I help them break out of that one-to-one model and actually make an impact on their bottom line? And so what I love from being a teacher was that student to teacher interaction, like that kind of live quote unquote interaction. So I said, you know, the big step that people are missing is the in-between. It's leveraged income. It's when you're working with a smaller group of say eight to 10 clients, right? You could do it online virtually with like Zoom or Skype, and you could use the Facebook group. You don't have to worry about all the complicated technology, right? You don't have to have the biggest budget. And then you work with those eight to 10 clients over say three months and you're, you're delivering live content, but you're also interacting with them on the Facebook group or in the Facebook group. And so you're not beholden to just working with one. And the, the great thing is they're still paying you a bit more because they're having live connection to you, right? They're not just a number. They're not just one of like 100 in your course. And that's the big thing is I think, you know, online course completion rate has like four or 5%, like it's less than 10%. How many downloads have you oh signed up for and courses and co- a week of coaching summits? I just, I never do them. Right. And they have a place, right? They yes. have a place in someone's business like model. But I think for most, like 80% of entrepreneurs that I interact with, like they're needing, you know, testimonials, referrals, they're needing a bigger impact on their bottom line. So I've helped a lot of people make that shift. It's, and it, it is, I've had to educate a lot of people. Like it's not that online courses are bad. It's just, you're probably going for it too soon. So do the in-between work with a smaller group so that, you know, you can give them the accountability and connection that they're wanting. You can get them to that finish line, which helps get you case studies, testimonials. They can start referring to you. And, you know, if they're paying you anywhere between $500 to $1,000, like if you multiply that out, you know, I just helped a CPA. She's doing her own version of business advising. She brought in 10 clients. I think they paid around $500. So, you know, she's bringing $5,000 in addition to what she's doing. And so it really, for me, was how can I be a pragmatic teacher in this instance and look at like kind of quote unquote limited resources and how can we maximize this? And I think that's what I brought from the education world. That's awesome. So you really are creating solutions back Mm -hmm. to being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. 
Um, have you ever struggled for, in your own in your own business journey with a lack of clarity or like you're telling me how you help people to find this direction, this missing link. Have you ever struggled with that? Like, what am I supposed to do next? How do I grow more? Oh, absolutely. And how did you overcome that? Well, I think um, something that, you know, I learned very early on was I was always exposed to like mentors, right? I was getting evaluations as a teacher all the time. And so something that I took with me was I need you know, I need mentors. So these could be people that have been where I have, I want to be. So what, what, what can they see that I'm not seeing? Right. Cause we're like in front of the tree where the solution that seems so obvious to someone else, but for us, it like stumps us. And then I think the other thing is like, we haven't, that was an amazing pun, by the way. Why? <laughs> you said it stumped you when you were in front of the oh, tree. Oh, no, I didn't even catch that. I Thanks. missed that too. I missed it. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think mentors are huge because I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, find themselves kind of isolated, alone. And um, I think the other big thing is investing with you know some sort of advisor. And you know we have our own coaches. So we always say to people, it doesn't have to be us, certainly, but you need someone that can guide you that is invested in your well-being and your business's well-being and can tell you what you need to do. I agree. So it's, it. I mean, in my mind, your mom is doing what you're doing with you. Mm-hmm. So is she your mentor or do you have somebody outside? Oh, she's, she's definitely a mentor. Like I think very early on when I was trying to figure out like what is, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? I looked at who was succeeding as an entrepreneur and started modeling them. So it was kind of messy. It was like, oh, I'm noticing that successful entrepreneurs are kind of structuring their weeks or they're going to networking or this is what they say after they follow up with someone. So I was just kind of modeling that. But then we also, in addition to having her, like we have our own, you know, business advisors and coaches that we have invested in and um, trust, like we trust their vision for where they're taking us. That's awesome. It's so important to get an another opinion and just that assistance when you're pounding your head against the wall, not knowing which way to go. Yeah. Cause I mean, think about how much time and energy you waste kind of hemming and hawing and second guessing what you do and second guessing what you do. And if you just had someone that, you know, you don't need like five voices, but if you have, you know, some trusted people in your corner, you can ask them, you know, what, what should I do? And, you know, you, you can use their experience to your advantage or their experience rather. Since we've talked a little bit about age, if you could rewind the clock 10 years, so you'd be... She'd be two. So you'd be 12. <laughs> um, no, I'm totally kidding. That I was not trying to be mean. Um, if you could rewind the clock 10 years, what would you say to that person? You know, I think when I... So I would be what, 21? Yeah, 21. I was just about to graduate college. I had this very kind of rigid idea of what, you know, my twenties would look like and what those milestones, what milestones I would achieve by like 25 and then by 30 and what my life at 35 would look like. And then none of that actually happened. Um, you know, I left relationships. Um, I left my job, you know, things just didn't work out as I wanted to, wanted it to. So I think what I would say is, um, you know, there is no timeline you know, people will push their art. I get questions all the time. Aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? And it just, those are other people's, you know, expectations. And, um, 
so I think it's it's first of all trusting yourself, kind of knowing that there is no expectation or timeline, but also knowing that like the messiness that you go through, like all those things that kind of fall apart or don't work out the way you want them to, like are exactly what you need to find success later. I think a lot of what I noticed is a lot of people want like the end product. They're not willing to go through that like gook or that mess. And like that's Especially actually, nowadays, I think. Yeah, I know. just want yeah. instant gratification. Yeah. But, but think about this, like as an entrepreneur or an individual any in general, if you go through that, like that makes you as an individual so much better and it gives sure. you so much business like acumen. Like yep. the only reason that I can teach people how to run small groups is because I've been through that mess of trying to figure it out myself. And I could say, you know what? I've been there. I can show you like the pitfalls to avoid. Like that's where you can really leverage that experience. And so to, su- to sum all that up, I would just say, you know, don't hold on to rigid timelines. Be Be willing to let go if things don't go perfectly to plan and actually like be happy to go through that mess because that mess is actually going to help you like become more profitable business owner. Yeah, I, I think... Acumen. You can tell she's an English teacher, Yes, right? I loved that yeah. word. Yeah, I'm going to use that. I don't know what it means, but... Like, <laughs> smarts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think going through some suffering helps you not only to be a more authentic individual, but also more empathetic. All right, so now I want to kind of shift a little bit and start talking about money. So how do you pay yourself now or get paid? And then when did that start happening for you as an entrepreneur? Because I think a lot of people don't make money at first. So when did that start happening? You know, I think for for us, um, it happened very early on, right? Um, now, the caveat to that is, you know, we weren't rolling in, I wasn't rolling in dough at the beginning. So I think it's important to start paying yourself because I think women will be the last ones to pay themselves. But a lot of the money that you're generating initially in your business needs to go back into it to feed it, right? You're investing in, you know, the appropriate kind of marketing. You're investing in the appropriate kind of advising that you need. But you also need to be drawing, you know, enough money for yourself. And so, you know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs kind of on one end of the spectrum or the other where they're taking nothing out. Um, or like we were working with a client and they were, they were using it as like a personal piggy bank. And so I think there's kind of this like medium where like, you're not taking everything as like, you know, your own salary. Um, and in some cases, you know, if you're not able to take what you need out of that business in the beginning, like absolutely you could have, you know, a side hustle to kind of get you through. Um, but, but yeah, I would say it happened very early on, but it was, it was modest for sure. And then as a course with time, it, the, the personal income grew. How do you feel about money? Like, what are your beliefs and thoughts around it? I, okay, I actually, I really like this question because as a teacher, I was surrounded by, and this is when, you know, you know how people say like what you say, you actually start to like internalize. So I really didn't have any issues with money growing up. Like I grew up very comfortably, like I was never concerned about money. And then I went into teaching where all you heard was budget cuts. We can't afford pencils. We can't afford to do this. And then you're surrounded by this culture of people talking about never having enough money. And then all of a sudden I started to believe that I never had enough money. And I felt this fear. I was white knuckling when I, like when I left teaching, I was like, I cannot touch my savings. I cannot do anything because I need all of that. And it's been over, you know, two years, two and a half, almost three years of being in entrepreneurship that... I just don't like. I can go make money. Like, if I need money, I can can go make it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Like, it's it's not the scary thing. And I also think at the same time, like, you need to be willing to. Now, I'm not saying be reckless with your money, but to grow a business, you need to invest in the business. And I see a lot of 
entrepreneurs holding themselves back from a place of fear of, I can't assume any debt. I cannot use anything on a credit card. Now, I'm not suggesting, you know, go wild. I understand. But but it's good to clarify for everyone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm underscoring that. Like, I'm not encouraging you to go, like, max out a credit card. But there are times where you need to invest in yourself, invest in your business. And, um, you know, if you're willing to go out there and you're committed to the business, it it'll pay work. off. It, it will. Yeah. It will. Yeah. yeah. That was another great pun. It will pay off. Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> Do you ever struggle with comparing yourself to other people? Oh, absolutely. Okay, I mean, let's talk about that. So I, I've always been, you know, not outwardly competitive, but I've always been, you know, comp- I wanted to be the best. So I noticed, especially when I was student teaching, I would look at the other teachers in the teacher's room and I would say, why are they so good? Why are they so much better than me? Okay. I was six months into teaching and these teachers are nine months into teaching. I think I also have this problem. So I noticed that, you know, first of all, it's not fair to them because they put in the time, they went through that mess to get to the other side. And two, it's not fair to me. I just started. And so, you know, uh, the way that I kind of work my way through this is I think everyone kind of compares themselves to others in one degree or another. Sure. I think I've just helped myself become aware. Like when I start to look at, you know, especially in entrepreneurship, when I look at someone say like, wow, like they made that much or that their launch was that successful. Wait a second. They've been in business like five years longer than I have, you know? So it's just kind of tuning my mind to being like, wait a second, what are you doing? And then, and then shifting back. So I'm, I'll be honest. Of course I do. Right. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. But And I think it is about giving yourself grace, really, and just taking a step back. And sometimes what we're comparing ourselves to are not even really what we want to be like. Right. So you might see someone's highlight reel, quote unquote, and compare yourself to that. But then if you really took a step back and looked at their life, it's well, not it's even- It's not you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you've got to be you, you know? Exactly. You do you. I also you think do a, you, baby. I also think a lot of people, like you talk about the highlight reel, you don't always see the, the the sacrifices, you know, whatever those sacrifices are that someone is is making to make that outcome happen that you're seeing, right? Right. So just be. I I I've learned to just be a little bit careful with my comparisons to just have that awareness. That helps. And I think talking about them with other people, not necessarily the person you're comparing yourself to, but with other people helps to just kind of keep you grounded on that. Yep. So, all right. What is something if you could change or add to your business right now, it would even further catapult your success. So what do you, you, you are helping bring people closer to what they want. What magic wand could I wave over your business that would bring you closer to what you want? Well, I think we're at a point now, um, I talked about this on the panel, uh, it was a really good lesson that we learned at a recent, you know, mastermind that we attended. You know, what what gets you to a certain point will not keep you going, right? So all the things that, you know, we were doing within our business, like we, to some degree, we were doing ourselves. It was just the two of us with, you know, very small support staff. Now, I think what would get us to really to the next level is bringing on that team. Like that is next level, right? You know, so bringing on, um, and th- these are virtual members, right? You don't necessarily have to hire people to, to work with you in person, but it's finding those, um, 
you know, assistance. It's finding, you know, I, it'd be awesome if I could bring on another person for like my vertical where I could really like run like multiple groups at the same time, because really you, you cannot do it all on your own. And that you realize that actually very quickly. So that's something I think a lot of us that would help catapult a lot of us mm -hmm. is finding somebody to help mm -hmm. in that support role. Yep. Kind of like a clone. If you will. In a way. Yeah. Um, all right. So how do you get away from your business? How do you separate when you're on weekends at night, et cetera? Vacation. Do you take vacation? Do you want me to be honest? You don't. She watches <laughs> Yummy Mummies. <laughs> I, okay. So I'll be really honest with you. I think in the past year, I've been much more disciplined about this, but um, I tend to be the type of person that when I like something, like I like working. I, I like what I, I like. We were talking about this before yeah. you arrived. Yeah, yeah. I just, I really. I love working too. I like working. So it what could. What would I do? Well, yeah, it could quickly become like a 12 hour day and it's not a problem. Like, well, yes, over time it snowballs. But like when I taught, it, I was all consumed into teaching. And so when I went into business, I noticed like I could work all the time, 24 seven, every single day. It was always on my mind. And I think you quickly learn that, um, you know, you have to take a step away from the business to, to be the best for your clients, to be the best for your business, to also be just healthy. So I think, you know, my mom, Susan, and I have been really disciplined over the conversations kind of stop at a certain point because, you know, now we're family. So if we see each other, it's so easy to slip into talking about the business. So we, yeah, we stopped talking about it at a certain point. I think um, the week of the 4th of July, I, I did not use my laptop. Wow, that sounds amazing. It was actually really tough. Like there, there's a scene. You in, wanted to though, didn't oh you? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> like um, I was reading Eat, Pray, Love recently by um, Elizabeth Gilbert. I've read it multiple times. And she talks about like the typical Americans that always want vacation, but never really know how to take a vacation. Because I've always brought my laptop with me. And I think it's that, that first time where I was panicked and then I just learned to like, it's okay. The world will keep revolving without me. A client will be fine, but it is tough. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to say that yeah. I'm the most disciplined or the best, but it's something that I'm working on for sure. The world really does keep it revolving does. when we go on vacation. So. It does. And but, that I think we need to start learning to understand. But I don't, I don't want to have a front that, you know, we are successful, but certainly we all have struggles. That's definitely mine is that, you know, when do you draw the line between personal life and business and getting better at it? Me too, every day, except my poor husband has to hear about business until like 10 o'clock every <laughs> single night. But he loves you, so he puts yes. up with it. Yes. All right. So to wrap up, why don't you just tell us how we can find you online or how you like people to connect with you? Sure. Uh, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. So if you just search um, for me, Jessica, my last name is spelled T-E-R-Z-A-K-I-S. I think there's only one of me, so you'll probably find me quite easily. So you can connect with me there. I'm also on Instagram, same um, same first name, last name. And then we have our website, which is Terzakis and Associates. So T-E-R-Z-A-K-I-S and associates.com. Thank you so much, and I hope you all will check her out on her Facebook or website. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. And being on the She Built This podcast. My and pleasure. Ha have a great day. You too. You too, Mike. You too, Emily. For more information on the She Built This podcast, you can check us out online at www.shebuiltthis.org. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.